Team Trinity launched an attack on civilians? What were they thinking? Maybe they were targeting somebody who was guilty of promoting war. But it doesn't look like that's the case here. There's nothing about it in the mission data Trinity entered into Veda. They attacked those people for no reason at all. But that's just... What the hell are those bastards doing? Are they playing games? An attack on civilians by a Gundam. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast sounds reasonable. Too bad we're an unreasonable podcast. My name is Jeremy. I'm just happy sitting over here in my extremely well-fortified castle. Nothing can get in here. I'm Tyler. <laughs> my name is Zach. We are watching episode 18 of Gundam 00 this week, The Aim of Evil Intents. I've been waiting for this one because that Graham Acre line is maybe the thing that has stuck most with me about 00. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it's quite good. Uh, I almost wrote the comment about that specific line, like a Virgo. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is a great line. I want it as a gift for reactions for Discord. Just sounds reasonable. It, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the, uh, I'm a genius. Oh, no. <laughs> it seemed to go much better for Graham than, than that guy. So usually, I don't know, Gundam 00's been happening to us. We didn't record one of these last week. I don't know. So that's an FSA, lock on Stratos. Oh, that explains why Jeremy's having so many problems. It's been two weeks since you talked to me. Hallelujah, Haptism, Tiaria Erd, they're Gundam boys, you know. As you do. There are two other Gundam boys and a Gundam girl now? Yes. You know, I will say we have gotten a surprising lack of Sumeragi drinking the last few episodes, so... It's because Sumeragi's like, I gotta take this seriously. Gotta cut out the day drinking. <laughs> Some of the day drinking. <laughs> it happens off screen now. Oh yeah, Danny Eifman died. We were oh, very yeah. sad about it. Billy was there. I was gonna say, I don't have my, my old notebook. I have upgraded to a new notebook. Um, oh. Actually, I think I've downgraded to a new I notebook. Do, I, I do too. I think you downgraded to this one, Tyler. Yeah. Um, I wanted it now. because of the silly cover. Oh, also Howard Mason died. Oh, yeah. Right. I yep. forgot he was one of the uh, the consistent guys. Yeah. He liked to wave his flag. He did. He was but not raise his flag. He was like, I'm very proud of the flag, Graham Acre. Avenge me in a flag, Graham Acre. Or have a complex about it Graham Acre. I'm going to do this very I'm, I'm going to charge this thing in my flag very stupidly and not use the advantages that the thing has to be fair he was an idiot I used to say, die in order to motivate Graham Acre. <laughs> no I was gonna say Michael Trinity was like oh if this guy keeps it up I will lose so Michael Trinity is the worst Gundam pilot I think I don't know what like next next episode next episode he holds his own with uh Setsuna so it is three on one and a half in, in a three on one at the time yeah no that's fair well I already forgot forgot new girl's name Nana Nana thank you uh she does the Nana um <laughs> I feel sociopath like she, you mean yeah I feel like she doesn't do much piloting so much as she does like jamming she just sits there and like blocks those three are sociopaths and bullies they can't actually stand up to somebody who can equal them that's right yeah i was gonna say they're just druggies these two episodes specifically have convinced me they are definitely just druggies again 3.0 <laughs> yeah or are we at 2.5 <laughs> what what iteration of druggie do these count as 
I feel like they're like we've stopped doing numbers, so they have some sort of title. Like these are, I don't know, druggies Trinity, druggies Red. They're druggies Red, obviously, because <laughs> of the particles. I was gonna say druggies Code Red, uh, the exciting new flavor. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, we'll be down to druggie soon. <laughs> All right, so if you want to watch along, you can on Crunchyroll or Hulu. Again, we are watching episode eighteen, "The Aim of Evil Intents," and we start out in northeastern Italy, like you do. Where our sociopathic bullies are shooting people weaker than them. To be fair, all Gundam pilots do this frequently. That's fair, but they're doing it to a defenseless, mil- well, a, a <laughs> not quite defenseless military base for no good reason. Well, the the, the thing that I call, I, the reason why I call them bullies and, <laughs> and all that is because they're targeting civilian installations, too. Uh, they're not right now, but they will be shortly. Johan's throwing one, has a big gun on its shoulder. It big guns, kills a bunch of Rialdos which I guess is how you're supposed to pronounce that. Certainly, it's how the dub pronounces it, I learned today. <laughs> oh, yeah. And this. I always assumed this it was This is like, overkill and a half. Yeah. I don't even know how he noticed how this one guy was even alive in the fire, but he totally just uh, destroys, <sighs> completely obliterates one lone infantryman on the ground of this bunker. Nana is posting a reaction video to this <laughs> on her Twitter. <laughs> she lols a lot. And then she jams the signals so they can all leave. We find out this is their seventh armed intervention. And as Zach said, they just keep attacking military bases seemingly without reason. And killing everyone there. It's so bad that Lockon is doing his Alleluia impression. (laughs) I can hear all the evil intents in the world. Let me flip my hair to the other side. I'm evil now. Um, First, he's got to brush his hair over his eyes. Well, it's it's, uh, Lockon and Rockon. So Setsu and Lockon's official orders are to stay on standby while Sumeragi figures out how to adjust their plan for three assholes. <laughs> they say she's furiously modifying her plans as Setsu looks down at the uh, Exia, which seems like it's undergoing repairs for something. Is this supposed to indicate that it's still being repaired from the action in the desert? Maybe they're just putting a fresh coat of paint on it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know any paint that causes Sparks. Uh, they're actually annealing it. That's how it works. Zach, uh, in this RPG, every time you take damage, your defense goes up. And the way the Gundams got so strong is they were just constantly undergoing small fire from these Haro drones. <laughs> ah, so it's one of those systems where you have to use a skill in order for it to go up. It's like that Final Fantasy 3? 2. 2. two. Uh, yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go with it. In order to get better at getting punched in the face, you got to get punched in the face. All right, come over here. You can dodge a wrench, you can dodge uh, a, a Gundam. <laughs> I was going to say a sandworm. I, don't, I was trying to think of a Final Fantasy-ass enemy. It's a little weird that in the opening they decided to uh, apparently pair off Lock-On with Graham. I mean, they did in the fight that they're showing there in the desert. That's the only... I mean, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, Rivals are hard. So Thierry didn't get a rival. Uh, yeah, apparently it, Patrick Collisar isn't awesome enough to be in the opening anymore. I was going to say, Tiaria's rival is clearly the other Gundam Meisters. <laughs> His main challenge is putting up with their bullshit all the time. Cut to the White House with like, ah, Italy this time. Too many Gundams. Too many Gundams, I say. And we get a guy who actually makes the logical leap of, uh, you know, the, the new Gundams are clearly different from the, like, there's something about them that makes them different when they're attacking the, the bases. But the president's just like, we must have provoked them, and now we have face the evil Gundams. They have sent the devil Gundams to us instead of the celestial well, being Gundams. I mean, that is also the logical leap because you attacked them, you nearly captured all of them, and what happened when you did that? These three showed up. 
the Council of Advanced Europeans is also like, man, we can't do anything about this. Our only option is to cozy up with the other blocks. And the other blocks are also like, impossible, nothing works. <laughs> we then cut up to Soma and Sergei for their one appearance this episode. Where Soma's like, Sergei, do you think the Gundams are going to attack us here in space? And Sergei is like, yes, I would expect them to, if their goal is to destroy the world. And Soma's like, that was a little intense, sir. <laughs> that was, uh, I'm not sure how you got there. Sorry, I've just been having a rough time recently. <laughs> That's not at all what he sounds like. So we get uh, Chun-Li talking to Alejandro Corner. And she's like, hey, you didn't know about the Gundams either, Mr. Observer? And he's like, yeah, my access level is limited by Veda. All I know is that they're Team Trinity and they have cool Gundam thrones. Why are they called thrones? Is that a theme at all? I can't think of a reason, but I would bet there is one. <laughs> Somebody just misunderstood a guy when he was like, dude, I really need to hit the porcelain throne right about now. Alejandra Corner is like, man, I think they're a little extreme. Maybe they need a chill pill. I don't know. And she's like, do you think they're part of the original plan? He's like, yeah, probably. Given all the facts we know. Uh, none, all zero I facts. I don't know about that because like, given the... F- Given what we know about Veda and what it had been presenting originally, their increase in aggression seems to be outside of the original plan. But at corner points out they have Gundams, so they must be part of the plan, clearly. I mean, you could call them whatever the fuck you wanted. You could call them Frank if you wanted to. And Corner is clearly a reliable source of information, given I all think- we know about him. Yeah, so clearly he has no ulterior motives or anything. Cut back to the Ptolemaeus for some nice techno babble courtesy of our favorite Ian Vashti, Ian Vashti. He's like, man, they're pretty similar to us, but their GN drives are different. They're not true solar reactors because they don't have a TD blanket, whatever the hell that is. I know why all of this is important. I wonder if the show is going to tell us. <laughs> well, I mean, here it says that because it lacks this TD blanket, whatever exactly that is, it's got a limited time. Yeah. Like, they can't operate indefinitely the way celestial beings' own Gundams can. Is that going to be a plot point? That seems like a plot point. That was what Jeremy was mentioning. I mean, it should be in a later part of this episode and the next one. I think the thing that's sort of implied here that does not come up is that the TD blanket was specifically not put into Veda in case it got hacked. And the rest of the blueprints were in it, though. So that's why Um, they come to this conclusion that Veda must have been hacked. Unless, um... It was a situation where the TD blanket was designed after. That's what I think. Like, I, I think that the, the throne faction is a splinter faction based off of those two guys who found that dark horror in space. Lassie says at the very least, they know they have a traitor. And Sumeragi's like, yeah, I have to agree. Cut to chilling in his computer. He's running a full-blown system scan to make sure there are no viruses or malware. Well, there was a weird girl in his computer, so... Data from level 7 has been altered, and access is denied to Tiaria Erd, and Tiaria's like, what? But it's me. I can't be denied access. I am Veda, I guess. I don't really know what Tiaria's deal is. Actually, I think I know what his deal is, but I'm not going to go into that right now. I mean, level 7, I think, is what Lock-On said the Gundam Meister's personal data was under, and none of them had access to that before. Yep. So the fact that he doesn't have it now doesn't seem that unusual. I presume he did, and he just didn't read it because he wasn't supposed to. Because Terry is a good boy. That's why he pilots yeah, the virtue. I guess that it, that does make some sense. And I feel like he's like, I should go see what's wrong with it, but I can't get in. I should be able to get in. 
Uh, we get a nice shot of Ribbon's Allmark over this quote, just for a second, for no reason. It's definitely not important. <laughs> then we cut back to Ian and Sumeragi trying to figure out what to do about these new druggies. Because they don't want to do anything at the moment because the world currently thinks they're all on the same side when Celestial Being is like, we don't like them any more than you do. And Sumeragi's like, we need more information. And Ian's like, well, we should ask Chun-Li for that. Yeah, our super secret spy network. Cut to Cut Chun-Li and her brother in a car. Get Chun-Li going, hey, brother, I need more information on them. Can you give it to me? And he's like, no. And she's like, try harder. But she also- This is a major city, and no one is on this freeway in the middle of the night. I do not buy that. It's actually a private toll lane. You have to pay to be in it. And, yeah, you uh, must be this rich to drive. <laughs> She muses on how, while Team Trinity is reckless, if the world changes as a result, she doesn't give a fuck. Ooh, yeah, you're not looking far enough ahead to see the consequences of that, Chun-Li. Cut to Howard Mason's grave. He was 27. I gotta say, Daryl, this is not the way to comfort somebody at somebody's grave. Right. (laughs) This dude had the utmost respect for you because you're the one that piloted it and got us the flag and all this it's like, the dude is currently dead because of that. You know that, right? Like, yeah. Daryl's like, but I have to expose it. It's in my contract. And we need to tell everyone you were the flag's test pilot. <laughs> you could say he sacrificed himself for you, specifically, Grammy. And uh, obliquely re- referenced the uh, thing from Joshua in the previous episodes. Yeah, about how you murdered somebody by accident while test piloting the flag. And Graham's like, I thought the flag was the best. I've killed two people with the flag now. That might possibly give me a complex about flying them. And Daryl's like, well, if you're going to have a complex, I think you should know that Howard once said (laughs) that it's thanks to the captain that I was able to become a flag fighter, and that's all the pride in my life. Now I get the chance to fly in the skies with him. I'm so happy. It's like I'm one day away from retirement. Nothing could possibly (laughs) go wrong. And Grab's like, all right. It sounds like he loved the flag more than I did. Now that he's dead, we have to give him more character. (laughs) Right. We're, We're backfilling in this. And I never really got that from all of the st- all the conversations that he had. He was just kind of there. I kind of got it from last week's episode specifically, but I feel like they threw it in there, and now they are a little bit like uh, how we got an entire episode focused on Nickel right before he died. Exactly. Well, at least that was before he died. <laughs> Nickel play piano. Oh, that, oh man, that, that okay. Meters all off on that. I was going for Ziggy played guitar. So. Graham is like, Howard Mason, I do solemnly swear on this day that I, Graham Aker, will use the flag to defeat the Gundams, all seven of them. Seven v. one me up, Baron, bro. <laughs> and Daryl is like, ooh, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> but he salutes anyway. I think I've just managed to commit us to suicide. Meanwhile, in the southern U.S. In a bar. Do you think I swear I- that was a Budweiser side. It is a Budweiser side, but it's edited to be legally distinct. Do we think Kinoe took the light rail here? <laughs> Probably. That's an interesting. Yeah, I have no idea what public transportation looks like in this universe. You know, if America took one thing from Japan when they absorbed it into this, if they took their public transportation system, that would definitely be a plus. Anyway, she's meeting a sketchy soldier here who's like, hey, you got my cash? And she's like, here, take this envelope. And he's like, what do you want to know? And she's like, about that military exercise and how supposedly you saw some new Gundams. He's like, yep, I saw them. And also, I heard them talking. Well, the pilot. Obviously, the Gundam did not talk. <laughs> well, hey, that that may not be obvious. We don't know. So uh, he's actually from the AEU because he was piloting a real though. Yep. Yeah. So what's he doing in the U.S. to get money? <laughs> I guess he took the light rail there. <laughs> <laughs> this 
seems exceedingly forced because like we never saw them land. They they kind of showed up, saved the Gundam pods, and then all fucked off. I wonder if this is before they came into action. That's my like no prize answer. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. It, I'll admit it's a bit of a stretch. If that was the case, then where are the other two? Shouldn't they be close by? Maybe I mean, they were spread be. out to take action. Anyway, she heard Nana say, notify Laguna. And he's like, I couldn't see her face, but I could tell she was a chick because she was kind of hot. How loud was she talking? Nana doesn't have an inside voice. <laughs> I Haro, mean, or, Haro. Or Haro's voice. It's a really old Haro. The voice recognition ain't great unless you... Uh, no, I just, I just had that thought when this happened because he's like, she's on the top of the Gundam. He's hiding behind a rock, presumably a few meters away. She's wearing a helmet. Unless she's like blaring it over her loudspeaker. You're not going to make out anything from that. Like you might make out. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a girl's voice. But as I say, the uh, helmet actually has uh, speakers on the outside of it. So it just amplifies her voice a lot. I was going to say, I really like the idea of using a Haro like an Alexa. Um, <laughs> Haro play Despacito. Well, I mean, Lock-On has kind of used his Haro for that before. Haro, you handle piloting while I shoot these guys. Alexa, you handle piloting while I shoot these guys. <laughs> yeah, it has the same ring to it. So Keeney's like, are you sure she said notify Laguna? And he's like, well, I'm not sure. All those things Zach said. And she's like, have you told the military yet? And he's like, no, I never filed a report. So I'm not sure how your source found out that I knew all this stuff because I haven't told anyone, but don't worry about it. Uh, because he's got a big mouth around base. Everyone was like, did he hear about what? Does this guy even get a name? No, other than dead man. Yeah, I was going to say, did he hear about discount guile? <laughs> no, he's European. He can't be guile. And this guy <laughs> certainly can't kick over his head. <laughs> So she's like, can you not tell anyone for a bit? And he's like, if you sweeten the deal. And she's like, I will send you a money in the future. It does not make a lot of sense, like you said, unless he contacted her. Well, I assume this is the guy that she wanted to set up a meeting with a couple episodes ago. I just don't know how this information reached her, but the military doesn't know about it. How has this guy not been detained for questioning by the military at this point? So Kinoe is on the light rail, going home, I guess, being like, man, who's Laguna? Is it a name or probably a code word? They're probably smart enough to use code words in celestial beings since they've been a secret organization for 200 years. I will look into this. Anyway, time for my tragic backstory. I guess also Saji's tragic backstory, kind of. Well, I mean, apparently they had a dad. He died looking. Apparently they had a dad. (laughs) He died looking into, into the truth. I'm not sure there was ever a mother involved. He was, she is not in this picture. He was a detective or a reporter or a mystery enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> or he just really liked escape rooms. I was going to say he really <laughs> into true crime. I was going to say he listens to a lot of true crime oh, no. podcasts. He did a true crime podcast. And then he was a true crime. The irony of ironies. <laughs> Meanwhile, dead man walks into an alley and a car drives up and dead mans him. It seems a little weird that... Um, like, we're just getting that part from Kinue now. Like, it's it seems like this is something that we probably should have been presented with earlier on to help explain why she is so after finding out about all this stuff instead of it just being kind of explained away as she's reporter, that's it. I was going to say she's just been listening to a lot of uh, Tom Petty recently. Working on a mystery. I don't know. I feel like thus far she's a career-oriented woman who honestly wants to know has been yeah. enough. Yeah, no, like that's fine. I'm just, it's weird that now they are introducing this as if they did not feel like that was enough. I mean, we knew she had a dead parents already because Saji was like, I have a dead parents. 
I mean, yes, that just means you're an anime character. Luis has parents. Oh, hey, cut the Spain. <laughs> <laughs> About that. We can fix that. <laughs> it is far too happy. This entire scene has a timer above it. Tragedy striking in 20. They're having a nice wedding at a nice castle. Uh, uh, Luis, say it's a hell of a good time. Luis is off in the corner in the protagonist seat talking to her boyfriend on the phone who is still working. For some unexplained reason, he is taking extra shifts. It's, it's not like, well, I, I was going to say it gets explained later, but. But, oh no, the phone call has been disconnected. They are no longer able to FaceTime as he works at a place called Pizza. And uh, he is no, labeled staff. Now, uh, so I interpret that as the entire name of the restaurant, um, and I wanted it to be like a wizard-themed pizzas of some sort. <laughs> Would you like the the mystic pepperoni or the holy pineapple? Um, I cast the holy pineapple. I feel like you go for ar- arcane pizzas are meat, and divine pizzas are vegetable and fruit, right? No, vegetable, <laughs> vegetable no. pizzas are heretical garbage and should not be consumed i was just thinking for half and half you j- just cast or i uh cast metamagic uh shape spell toppings uh, <laughs> saji's like yeah got disconnected oh well i have to go back to work anyway to reach my savings goal i'm so close i'm one day away from retirement <laughs> like and then this dude pops up and is just like hey delivery boy so presumably everybody at this pizza chain is just referred to by their job title yeah. They don't know each other's names because they cycle so fast. My understanding, and this is shaped mostly by pop culture and one guy on YouTube, <laughs> is that it's very common in Japan to hire just a bunch of high schoolers that will work like one day a week. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so each. they're not like me at work and just don't know anybody's name. I mean, that could also be true. Or they don't know what honorific to use and it's very awkward, so they just default to hey you. Hey you, son. <laughs> <laughs> So Luis is trying to get Saji back on the horn, and is like, man, I hope he's not cheating at me. But, oh, oh my no. god. Tragedy striking in Jaburo. Because, oh no, there are Gundams flying over this uh, particular castle event. Yeah, it's really weird because of the voice line she delivers there does not sound at all concerned, but her face looks very concerned. Well, it makes a little bit of sense. I'd be concerned, like, seeing them, but at the same time, it would be cool to see them because... We're all civilians. We have nothing to do with war, so they should have nothing to do with us. Yeah, it's like seeing some F-16s fly over. Your uh, reaction would probably be more, oh, that's cool, then. Or uh, oh, if, I might die. If you've ever <laughs> been uh, like nearby when like uh, the police helicopters are up overhead, it's like, I wonder what they're doing, but it's kind of neat that it's there and watching them fly overhead. I will say that's probably because we don't have a lot of paramilitary experimental weapons flying overhead all the time. Uh. So... So the Gundameisters, Team Trinity specifically, got another new mission, and Nana's like, I don't wanna. So I, she's throwing a hissy fit. I've been there, Nana. Working all the time does suck. It's the worst when you're the only competent employee. Well, which is not her. Let's point that out. Uh, I don't know that she is the only competent employee. You think Johan is the only competent employee? Yes. yes. <laughs> we find out he's actually very bad at his job shortly, but. <laughs> he's bad at one aspect of his job. He's, actually, he's also very bad at a site. He's bad at corralling these two idiots, yeah. which is actually his main yeah. job. I think Johan's very bad at his job. He's just the best at being a human of the three of them, <laughs> so you make that mistake. And Nana's like, oh, I need to blow off some steam. And by that, I mean, why don't I, I blow up this castle? Some civilians. Hey, it's not fair that they get to have a party while I'm at work. 
Yeah, as someone who worked at a deli who made mostly party trays for people, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm like, man, when do I get to have a work party like this woman has literally twice a week? Well, I, uh, okay, I have so some questions about she, that. She was a real estate agent, and I believe most of the party food were for her clients, but... That's fair. So, uh, Johan, one of your charges is out of formation. Go round up your idiot. Uh, he's actually watching sweet YouTube videos or something right now. So, a Gundam is coming straight for the castle. and so they're, they're concerned, but they do have the logical thing of, we've got nothing to do with war. It's not going to do anything to us. And also, what would you do anyway? It, like, I mean, what is the appropriate running. response? Yeah, you could. You could start panicking and then trample Louis to death. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nana points her big giant Gundam gun right at the castle and is like, hey, you all deserve to die. And then she hits a direct hit on everybody but Luis, who is one AOE's distance away from where the <laughs> shot lands. Because she, she's out on the at the protagonist's border, whereas everybody else... It's not even everybody. It's just, like, the main concentration of people, I think, get killed by the blast. But then, obviously, you're going to have shrapnel and all those rocks and stuff flying through the air. So Luis is like, oh, no, my parents. I love them. And then Nana's like, oops, missed one. <laughs> and fires again. Kind of missing again. Um, as well, she was taking out the building. Yeah. Uh, Luis was moving. These are not very good Gundam pilots, as we will find out. Yeah, they're bullies, and they can only attack and hurt things that can't fight back. How did they get chosen by Mysterious? They were the most sociopathic people he knew. Why did he know them? He stole them as children. He stole them as babies and oh, raised that them e- as sociopaths. That explains a lot, actually. For the record, I don't fucking know. Uh, no, that that matches with all the information we learn about them and him. So, Which is why I went with it. So Johan's like, knock it off, Nana. And she's like, oh, I accidentally hit the murder of the civilians button. It's right Twice. next to the fly on the normal path button. <laughs> and Johan's like, knock it off. And she's like, okay. Stop screwing around, Fox. <laughs> uh, then we cut down to the castle, which is on fire. And Luis is under some flaming rubble. So that doesn't seem great. Cut to Saji in, his, again, like, like humming a song bike? to himself. Yeah, his, I mean, del- it, his delivery golf cart. It, it makes this juxtaposition makes sense here. Oh yeah, oh, it's the vehicle design I'm criticizing, not the creative choice to cut back to him. Well, I mean, it, it, that makes sense for delivering pizzas. Presumably, this is a vehicle that the the shop owns. Yeah, you're probably so right about it's that. Cheap, easy to maintain, legal like, for a teenager legal to drive. For a teenager to drive. As opposed to most delivery things here where it's like, you got your own car, right? Because we ain't paying you mileage. So, and then it's lack of eye catch. Yep. Using this time to tell you about other things that we do that you can go watch and or listen to seems reasonable. And too bad for you that I'm a reasonable man. So I'm actually just going to do exactly that. Uh, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening along with us. Uh, this is a fun-ass episode. I really like it. Um, gonna keep this one short. Hey, we're finally posting our journey to Jabro, so look out for that soon. I'll be dropping links to our YouTube and probably those specific episodes when they're relevant. Also, hey, if you uh, missed last week, I'm gonna plug one more time for the series on the Madoka Magica movies that we're doing. Uh, we're actually recording the next one next week. This week? This week. And that'll be up in, you know, however long it takes Jeremy to edit it, because those are long. Anyway, hey, thanks for listening, everyone, and back to the episode. To Sumeragi being like, what? Team Trinity attacked civilians? Poor K. And Lassie's like, I don't know. Maybe they were targeting somebody guilty of promoting war. Like, maybe so they, they just murdered Tony Stark. Family? 
The Stark, yeah, Zach, I don't know if you've watched Game of Thrones, those Starks need to die. <laughs> I have not. Uh, especially poor Ned. See, this is now Sumeragi, where you get your four Gundams. Remember, you have four of them, depending on how you look at Nodley, five. Let's call it four and a half. They have three. These are rabid animals. What do you do with a rabid animal? You put it the fuck down. No, I was going to say you uh, capture it and make it fight in your Coliseum. No, you do that with Pokemon. <laughs> you do that with supernaturally powerful animals. Rabid ones, you just put down. Okay, extremely quick tangent. I watched it. Do we think uh, Pokemon has a version of rabies? Uh, well, there is the Pokerus. Yeah, but that's like that's like anti-rabies. <laughs> that just makes them better at earning experience. That's fair. Okay, so so do you think that Pokerus makes them more aggressive and wants to fight? Okay, all that. So is they get like more a exper- minor. Is it like a minor version of rabies? <laughs> minor like a, a, a version of rabies that is devolved to the point where it survives longer in your Pokemon, but it also is not lethal. It only melts your brain a little bit. Well, it, the trainers think it's actually beneficial, and trainers will go out of their way to spread Pokerus to as many of their Pokemon as possible. It's actually a great evolutionary step for a virus. Exactly. I mean, that's why it probably that that would make sense as to why it's slowed down the evolutionary line from rabies. I've never had Pokerus. Me neither. I don't it's it's absurdly either. rare, isn't it? I feel like it happens all the time to other people, but... Don't you... Kind of... Isn't it kind of like the virus thing in uh, Halo, one of the achievements, where it's like you had to play with somebody who had already gotten that? You have a random chance of catching a wild Pokemon who carries it, uh, but also then it can spread through your... Only while they're in your PC box, which is also interesting, which implies it's like a digital virus. So, oh no, There's a whole thing, rabbit hole you can go down with Pokerus, for sure. So, Christina says they did not log a mission report in the PC about destroying this castle. So we see Lock-On being frustrated about it. And sets in as, like, an attack on civilians. These people are not Gundams. Yeah, go take those Gundams and put them down. So Saji's trying to call his girlfriend, but she won't answer. And he's like, man, I wonder if her parents are being weird. Her mom didn't like me until she did, but it was a very arbitrary flip, so maybe she flipped back. <laughs> uh, so he goes to the, uh, the dean. Of, yeah. Or Office of Student Affairs or something. And he's like, hey, what about Louise Halvey? And she's like, she, he, she your girlfriend? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, okay, I can pry into her personal information for you. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about the lack of data security on this. Well, I don't, I guess I was going to say, I don't really think that's a data security, but she does say that she was an... In an accident, and it was admitted to the hospital. That's more than she is not available to come into school right now. Well, and then she gives him the name of the very specific hospital she is in. Oh, it's a good thing he's not a stalker. What the fuck is this bus? <laughs> uh, Zach, what the fuck are any of the vehicles in this show that are not mobile suits? The bike he was riding looked silly as hell, but, like, that's basically just a gator. Yeah, and this is basically just a double-decker bus, but it looks silly as hell. In the future, <laughs> vehicles will look silly as Except hell. Except we can see it's not a double-decker bus. There's no upper floor to this. It's just a really high upper floor. It's a it's, uh, give all the people on the lower floor more headroom. So Saji is looking up the news report on how Gundams blew up his sister's castle. Sister? His girlfriend's <laughs> castle. It does say survivors, so that implies there was more than just Louise. Yeah. I do like, right as he's like, the Gundams, they enter a dark red tunnel. It's like an excellent use of lighting. Cut to the Illinois base, where I guess everybody from MZWAD has been reassigned after their base exploded. I do love all the tiny dings on Graham's flag that have not been buffed out yet. And all the tiny dings on Billy, who is pretty (laughs) dinged up. He's got the the, the typical I'm injured head bandage. He's also got a sling, though, so you can tell he's actually injured and not just wanting attention. 
And Graham's like, what are you doing? You should be in the hospital. And he's like, only I can maintain your flag now that Professor Eifman is dead. Because apparently we were all assigned here, but we were not assigned a maintenance crew. But then he drops his wrench because he is injured. And Graham... That is a weird looking wrench. In the future, wrenches will look weird too. <laughs> I was going to call it it's a, like a spanner. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what tool that's supposed to be. It's Graham- like a ratchet wrench, but not in the fashion you would normally see a ratcheting wrench. Graham is like, hey, don't push yourself. And Billy's like, hey, I have to push myself. You would also push yourself extremely far. So, Like a Virgo. I can Virgo sometimes too. Excuse I, me while I look up uh, Billy Katagiri's birth sign. You, you I did that before right. in like the first episode. And I was very I disappointed. It was. Yes. I feel no, like actually, a Sagittarius. Wh- whatever it was was supposed to get along great with the Virgos as relation. As yeah, relation I do remember group. looking that up. I'm not going to repeat that. It, it's an I mean, joke. I like that little <laughs> moment between uh, Graham and, and uh, Billy there where he's like, you're so stubborn. And Billy's like, dude, pot, kettle. So Graham's like, well, I'm going to hang out here and make sure you don't die while fixing my flag. And Billy's like, so I'm pretty sure the Gundams blew up that base entirely to cover up assassinating Professor Eifman. Because he was so close to figuring all this out. Now, he didn't tell me what it was, and he wrote it down in a physical book like an old man would. And that burned, so that's no good. And Graham's like, do you think we have a spy in the military? And Billy's like, yeah, it would be dumb to think we don't. Well, I, yeah, I mean, look at how much they're able to do. But then there's an alert of a Gundam coming to Iowa. I don't believe it. Like, <laughs> that's impossible, because... Nobody in their right mind goes to fucking Iowa. It's 200 I mean, years in the future, Zach. It's where we built our factory. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to... Nobody in their right mind goes to Iowa. Besides, Pittsburgh is right next door. No, Pittsburgh just expanded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now all of Ohio is Pittsburgh? Yeah, so they're actually in uh, Pit- Pittsburgh, Iowa. Uh, <laughs> it's New Pittsburgh. No, it's like Kansas City. It just kind of sprawls across state lines now. So Graham's like, oh, they must be after the Iris Munitions Factory, but all the workers there are civilians, even if they make weapons for us. So, And then Graham has a shonen moment of decision before he's like, is my flag ready to launch? Cut to Graham's, it was. Yeah, cut to Graham's flag launching, and him being like, this is Graham, I'm taking the lead. And someone's like, hey, heading out alone is just reckless. And Graham's like, yeah, sounds reasonable. Too bad I'm an unreasonable man. <laughs> That's just a Virgo talking. Oh, man. This is such a great line. I, so is. I also super love it contrasted the last week where he was like, no, we can't go after the Gundams without a plan to show how Graham is like, I cannot stand my subordinates dying or getting them in trouble, but I will be the most reckless reckless to ever reckless. Well, I mean, it's it does follow in. With the character that we saw of him in the first couple of episodes where he launched specifically to go hunt down the Exia, that is back into Graham's character, as well as, like, they saw the Exia, and so they went chasing it. I do feel like it is very much on the side of, I'm okay risking my life, but asking other people to risk theirs or lose them in doing so, that's what he can't stand. I've just imagined him flying out of that base going, do as I say, not as I do! (laughs) (laughs) We didn't start the fire. Some assholes in a Gundam throne did. So the munitions plant is on fire as Gundams fire on it, and we see some civilians dying. I I like the fact that they're all wearing, like, they're actually wearing helmets and stuff because it's a factory. Like, it's it's a munitions factory. Of course you have to wear a hard hat. I do like that Johan. Is it Johan? I feel... Okay, I was second-guessing myself. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. It's just sitting there completely impassive, just like clicking the death button over and over. Well, it's actually, a sociopath, so... I don't know. I was going to say, it actually looks very similar to Lock-On when he would be like yeah. boredly shooting those units, being like, come on, surrender. Certainly, it's to contrast that, but it's a very similar vibe. 
Except for the difference of the fact that Lock we Lock on was talking when he was doing that and was specifically expressing the uh come on, leave so I don't have to kill you, whereas this guy is shooting civilians. So he's like, huh, incoming machine on radar, and it's fast. And Graham just comes screaming in and just starts tearing Johan apart. Well, at first he dodges all of Graham's shots, but he does his midair transformation that he's so proud of and is like, I don't care if you're better. I have two plasma sword thingies. Well, specifically, when he uses his transformation, he uses it to break and change direction. Yeah. I love this brief fight between him and Johan, because he knocks Johan's beam saber away. With a kick. And how do you tell if a mobile suit pilot is good? Do they do kicks? (laughs) He kicks it away, dumps his sabers to steal it. Yeah, he steals the Gundam's beam sword. And there's a great shot of the throne about to shoot him point blank, but Graham gets there first, takes off the arm samurai style, and is on the other side of him. And Johan's like, that's impossible. That's a flag. We were just giving Celestial Beings shit for having trouble with 200 of these things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, that that is a great way. Wait, one flag disarmed me? And we were laughing at how Celestial Being OG was losing to 300, sorry, wrong, 800 mobile suits. We were laughing at them for not being able to win that, and I just lost to one guy. So Graham's like, ugh, I got some payback for you, Howard. Unfortunately, I am a human man, and I cannot take this many Gs. I'm coughing blood, which is not a great sign, traditionally speaking. <laughs> he, needs, he needs training with Zex Marquis yes. and the Toggies. <laughs> I was going to say, oof, my organs, but... <laughs> well, no, this remember, is very Zex Marquis. is train in the machine, and therefore you can overcome petty things like, you know, 13G turns. <laughs> so Setsuna's sitting on a log, watching the ocean... I want Setsuna and Felt to have a beach day together so bad. I feel like they would have a, the exact matching energy. I'm just picturing them both in like, well, they're both in swimsuits in my head because Christina obviously put got them, them in them. them. But they're just both like sitting on a log, staring at the ocean, and Haro is with Felt. Yes. And Haro occasionally goes, nice view, nice view. And maybe Setsuna at some point's like, do you want a hot dog? <laughs> I know a place. So, anyway, I'm Gundam. <laughs> so, Lock-On comes out and is like, so Team Trinity did it again. And Tessina's like, did what? And he's like, kill civilians? Over 800 people. Which, like, this causes a reaction in Setsuna who, like, Lock-On is, like, kind of depressed. Like, this is just indiscriminate terrorism. And Setsuna's like, I'm getting my Gundam and I'm going to go put down some rabid animals. Yeah, he's got to, I have to run to the back cave look. For sure. <laughs> Get to the Ptolemaeus, where Simuragi's like, man, if Veda was hacked, we'd have to figure out how to d- be celestial being without Veda, and that seems impossible to me. Um, I do also like that Veda has, like, no backup storage of any sort. Well, presumably, if somebody could get into Veda, they could get into the backup. Yeah, okay, that's fair. It would not occur to me immediately to do that, but I'm not a hacker, so. Also, she got a text from Billy being like, hey, our dad's dead. By our dad, I mean the professor. <laughs> I wonder how long ago that was, like, week? Do we think she didn't get it because of the space delay or because... I presume that Billy couldn't send it because he was in the hospital. Or that. Or it was classified. We know he has no problem sharing classified information (laughs) with Sinaragi. As soon as she gets that information, Christina pops up and is like, Ma'am, Setsuna went nuts. Uh, Then we cut to... (laughs) Kinue getting an email from her brother being like, hey, going to Spain to be with my dying girlfriend. Uh, my not going to be girlfriend. there for dinner. 
I know you don't like her. Saji. I don't really th- <laughs> like Kinue likes Louise. She just thinks Louise is too good for Saji. It's this weird thing. So Saji runs desperately into the hospital. It's very dramatic. Like he's in the graduate love, or something. I love how he, he like runs in and is like, oh no, this is super dramatic. Wait, hang on. I don't actually know where I'm going. Let me ask these nurses for directions. I don't know. I like this scene a lot because like it, I think is one of the things that shows the actual depth of their relationship. One um, of the things that I actually like at the beginning of this thing, I, I, I love this scene as well. It's just the beginning of it. Like they don't show you him getting out of the taxi. But I kind of have the image in my head of him just, like, thrusting a whole bunch of bills at the taxi driver and taking off. I love the scene dramatically. That's why I was comparing it to things like The Graduate. It is funny to imagine Saji rushing to Spain with this much energy the entire time, like, <laughs> on the bus, on, on the, the plane, plane. <laughs> trying to get a taxi. Because Uber is dead in the future, obviously. Tyler doesn't work for them anymore. No, that's fine. So Louise has the I'm injured headband. And she's looking wistfully out the window. And she's like, Saji, why are you here? And she seems she vaguely seems, happy, so yeah. Saji breathes a sigh of relief. Well, she seems like it's, she seems okay. Yeah. Like, she's relatively, well, I mean, as well as you can be upbeat, especially to see him come in. And she's like, you're skipping school. And he's like, I don't care. I'm just relieved you're okay, and I had to be with you. And I, I got you these, <laughs> I, I got you a gift. Not because you're in the hospital. This is not hospital gift. I just wanted to give it to you. But you are in the hospital, so here. I got you those rings you wanted that were too expensive for me. I delivered a lot of pizzas for them. <laughs> uh, which I worked extra hard so that I could get them for you. Please take them. So she reaches out, looks at it, one of them, and is like, oh, it's so pretty. And, and then, then she starts crying. Well, not yet. Dramatic music starts playing. Saji blushes and is getting ready to goddamn propose to Louise. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I don't know that he's going to propose. He's getting there very close. I think he's just going to drop the I love you. Yeah, I don't think they have yet, because I think Luis was going to when they were going to die in space. And I think yeah. they've also kind of had this like unspoken thing of, you know, who who's going to say it first? It, but, it is the love is war. But right as he's about to say it, the music completely drops, and Luis says, I'm sorry. It's like, you bought these for me, you went to all that trouble, and they're beautiful. It really, like, she kind of gives the impression of she's going to break up with him right here. Yeah. And she's like, but I can't wear this ring. And And we see that she doesn't have her left hand anymore. And Saji's stunned like he just looks at it like he can't process it for a moment. It's very subtle. It's not like actual shock. It's more of like something's wrong here, but I can't figure out what is wrong with this picture. The thing that I really like about that scene is like he can't process it and she immediately hides it again. Yeah, but because clearly she's having some feelings about that. She's like, yeah, I'm sorry, Saji. I can't wear your pretty ring, though. I don't have fingers on my other hand. Saji doesn't know what to do. Like, clearly he wants to help. Yeah. But this is so far outside of his scope of experience. And right before he's about to do the right thing and hug her, a nurse comes in and is like, hey, you can't be here. You're such a jerk making her remember all her relatives died. Also, let me exposit to you that all of her relatives died, especially her parents. And these Gundam pilots who want to eliminate war should think of all the people they're killing and putting in hospitals. I mean, depends on which ones you're talking about, because the other ones are now just as outraged as you are. And he also overhears some nurses gossiping about how maybe the Halavis were involved in some sort of weird war crimes. And that's why the Gundams targeted them. I do like as he's walking in the hallway, it's like... Sepia tone? Yeah. Well, it's like, there's no detail. It's all washed out. Yeah, everything's washed out because that's how he's perceiving it. It's pretty good. And he just looks at the ring case and starts to cry. Poor Saji. Like, on the surface, it looks 
originally because he's looking at the ring case like I bought these and she can't have them. I think it, it but it's more of like <laughs> like this is representative of him to yeah. him of the pain that she's going through. Yeah, and he can't do anything about it. So cut to the Trinity is giving Johan shit for getting his arm cut off. And he's like, I'll just have to take this to heart and to not underestimate anyone. And then beams come at them and they're like, holy shit, Dodge. <laughs> Setsuna is taking a page at a Graham Acres book and jumping them over the ocean. And I love that Setsuna really doesn't acknowledge them as being anywhere even on the same level. Like, they are just three more targets that he's going to take out. I do also like he's given his uh, stereotypical like start of a mission speech. Yeah, I wonder uh, if there's a recorder on the Exia that this will be used on later. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. It would make sense, like, for reporting to Veda. Yeah. It's like, have concluded the three Gundam Throne units are guilty of promoting conflict, commencing intervention. And he has a legitimately angry expression on his face when he starts this. Like, the only thing, only time we've seen this similar expression is when he's dealing with Alia Sachs. He is directing legitimate anger at these three. Yeah, and we end on a shot of Setsuna about to attack them with his big sword. I think it's easily the best cliffhanger since Graham Aker jumped him over the ocean. It's got incredibly similar energy, as you pointed out, but it's even stronger because we've had two or three episodes building up of, ah, these druggies need to be taken down. And Setsuna, the impulsive one, is like, well, I guess I got to go pull the trigger if no one else is going to. If no one else is going to go put these rabid animals down, then I'm going to do it. I do also feel like it's their continuously not living up to what his definition of being a Gundam Meister is. Well, because in his mind, the Gundams are at least one portion protecting the innocent. Because we saw that when he tried to help the people in the, in the Middle Eastern town that he couldn't save. Yeah, like, which he did because he was saved in a similar fashion. Yeah. So that, that is one thing that he feels that the Gundams are supposed to represent. So the fact that they're attacking civilian targets is so far outside of what he believes the Gundams are supposed to stand for. It also, I think, fits in really well with the theme that's already been established of the Gundam Meisters being sort of one of the like problem point in the Gundam. But this shows that they are also, in many ways, the strength of the plan because they are capable of taking action. In a lot of ways, I think part of the plan was making sure decent people got the Gundams. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's why all the Gundam Meisters are flawed in this very specific fashion. Because all three of them have... Four of them. All three of them. <laughs> three out of four ain't bad. Well, like, here's the thing I have with this. The three pilots, Setsuna, Lock-On, and Aloluya, all have a significant presence that has been affected by war. Like, they have been badly scarred by conflict. So they have a legitimate built-in burning desire to not only eliminate it, as celestial beings remit states, but also to limit the scope of their conflict. And Tiaria is there largely to as, act as a as like the voice of logic and the the break on the other three in case they were to get out of hand. I was gonna say Tiaria is just a judgy bitch. Which That's is, why he's there. Well, we, which is the reason why I, I believe he is kind of supposed to serve as the break on the other three is because of something that happens in the next episode. Yeah, and he doesn't necessarily have that same degree as the other three, and he's kind of there learning from them. But he is also limited the scope of their conflict. Like, he hasn't targeted civilians. As we stated before, Lock-On and Setsuna and them, like, they don't make an overt attempt to kill pilots. Tyria doesn't seem to care, but they also don't, like, make 
generally make an effort to not kill pilots. Well, as you say, the show even tried to emphasize that because Nana, while they were in the clip episode, is like, I also dislike that they don't kill pilots unless absolutely necessary. I want all the murder. I think it was Michael who said that, but... That's fair. They're one person, right? Yeah, basically. As far as I'm concerned, they are the same person now. It's Johan and the other two. Any other final thoughts on this episode? I think the ending is really strong. I think the Luis Saji stuff is really strong. Do we want to talk about Luis and Saji a bit? Do we think they fit in this show yet? I feel like I think they're getting there, but yeah. like right now it kind of just feels like we killed Louise's family so she has an appropriately dark backstory because she was way too happy with that family. Oh no, does she become a Gundam pilot? Uh, I mean, she has the tragic backstory for it now. Exactly. Um, no, I was actually going to say I feel like this is setting something up for Saji specifically, but I, I don't, don't want to go too far because I do have some previous knowledge yeah. as to where this particular thing goes, but... I mean, now they at least have been directly affected by a Gundam pilot that isn't just we met Setsuna while he was eating his hot dog, or we brought Setsuna over to try and distract Louise. And clearly that's going to come back around at some point. So I'm just curious how the hell they tie into the story, because there is some overarching plot here that required them to be around this lawn for us to have some emotional stakes in them by the time we got here. I just don't know where the hell they're going. Yeah, because I think they have been in every episode. Like, I think they have made an appearance in every single episode. It wouldn't surprise me if they missed one, but they have more appearances than Graham Aker, for I'm sure. Not, I'm not sure they have, because even in some of the episodes that had absolutely nothing to do with them, like Operation Gundam Capture, there was like a two-minute stint of them, like a non-sequitur. Because I think like the first one of those, it was before the opening, it was like when they were trying to convince Louise's mom that Saji was cool. Yeah, they did have that arc going through a bunch of episodes. <laughs> I, I think they have been in every single episode. Do you have a high point, Tyler? I'm going to take the easy one and do the whole scene with Luis and Saji. I think that is the closest to art this show has been so far, and I loved it. That is such a good scene. Like, because you're, it's like, oh, she's she's hurt, but like she's anime head injury hurt, so she's fine. Yeah, exactly. But then you and then find out that not <laughs> like, and because of the way they treat it, like it's not hanging out there. And when she shows Saji, she immediately hides it again. There are so many, like, nice... Yeah, that, it's like a nice, subtle animation. It's also very in character for her to be trying to act a beat when she sees Saji. I don't know. Like, the entire thing is very good. I like it a lot. And at least for right now, we don't know exactly how injured she is. Like, do her legs still work? Yeah, I was going to say, she was crushed under a rather large facade or something. And, I mean, me and Jeremy were talking about this a little bit off the mics. My immediate thought when I saw that she lost her hand was, man, how did she lose her hand by getting blown away? But then it's like, oh, no, wait, what probably happened was the hand itself was too injured, and so it had to be amputated. Yeah. So what's your high point, Zach? Setsuna <laughs> finally going out to uh, put down these three. I was going to say you two took the obvious ones, except for sounds reasonable. Yep. Too bad I'm an unreasonable man. Yeah, that, that was my second choice is the entire Graham Acre scene. This entire episode had so many good ones because there's, like I said, the, the three that we took, Graham going out and being a badass, the emotional weight of Louise and Saji's instance, and, you know, mine of finally someone is going to kill these fuckers. I was going to save this point for next week's episode, but... I think it's decent to bring up here, too. I think these next seven episodes are greatly influenced by the fact that Gundam 00 had to be two 25-episode seasons instead of a 50-episode season. And I think we get a lot of positive of that in this episode. Of They suddenly have to throw a whole bunch of stuff in all at once, and it all is very dramatic and really works, whereas I think a lot of the negatives of that show next week. Do you have a low point, Tyler? 
I don't know. There, there wasn't a lot. I, I guess just kind of the opening scene that reiterates, yes, the druggies version. Uh, what do we call them? Druggies Code Red. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're bad dudes, and we get we get basically that same scene again later. So, Zach, I, I think I have to go with uh, Kinoe's meeting in the dive bar. Like Jeremy said, why has this guy not been detained? I I don't think detained, but I think questioned. Like well, the military should have debriefed for questioning him and, and such. Like, and how did she find out about this if he hasn't told anyone? Uh, like, I assume he I'm is just confused. a braggart on base, and no one in brasses has bothered to do anything. <laughs> oh no, I was willing to hand wave that. It's just weird. I, I guess Kinoe in this episode is just because they're also. I'm going to find the truth. That oh, where did this come from? Yeah, I was fine with that too. Honestly, I'm I'm fine characterizing her a little bit more. I, I do agree with your point that it probably should have happened earlier, but. If it's this big of a deal to her. Exactly, yeah. If it's a core motivation, then we should have known about it before. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like the writers are like, oh no, she's going to become an important character again. Uh, backstory. Well, it's either that or this character is going to get aced soon because we have <laughs> to, uh, I mean, that's what these series seem to do. It's like, oh crap, this is a side character that needs to play into somebody else's character development. So we need to characterize them so the audience cares about them when they die. Quickly, Naruto flashback. And a lot of comments on Crunchyroll are people treating Saji and Luis that way. Like, I agree with you guys. I think that's one of the best scenes the series has had so far. But there are a lot of people like, why do I care about these two characters that I haven't had any reason to care about this entire series And now that they are in trouble? Yeah, I mean, I can see the logic there. But to me, at least, Luis and Saji have kind of been the emotional heart of this series going through it because none of the other characters really show a great deal of emotion about anything. Yeah, I was going to say, we're kind of getting into, like, Cessna's headspace a little bit, which is helping, but also Cessna's a very stoic individual, so that's and, not and a great focal point. For the most part, the Gundam Meisters don't really show any emotion beyond, ah, my head is going crazy again. <laughs> I was going to say, I think Alleluia is maybe, like, weirdly the most expressive of them, despite uh, Lock-On's kind of lackadaisical personality. What's your low point, Jeremy? I kind of went off on a that's long fine. tangent. That's what the point of these are. It's a very good episode, so I'm going to go with how dumb the vehicle designs are, especially Saji's pizza <laughs> mobile, but the bus also. Weirdly enough, the, like I said, the pizza mobile doesn't bother me. The bus bothers me, but the pizza mobile doesn't. MVP, Tyler. I feel like there are two very hard yeah. ones to choose between in this episode. Um, Maybe even three. I think I'm going to have to give it to Saji for being a good boyfriend. I would argue he's very close to being a good boyfriend. Um, oh, yeah. He, he, and he true. doesn't quite make it. And I love that as a character bit. Yeah. Um, I think he still qualifies as good boyfriend, but like, he is still a teenager, so he doesn't know how... Like, Also, how do you comfort somebody who literally yeah. just lost their whole family, not to mention their hand? And I think he was this close to doing this right, the right thing, and a nurse came and was like, you can't do the right thing. You can't be in yeah, here. Yeah, because the answer was hug, because that's about all you can do. Hug and let her cry it out on your shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Zach, who's your MVP? It's hard, but I think I have to give it to our favorite unreasonable unreasonable <laughs> man. Yeah. I, I didn't give him his high point, but uh, I think I got to give him that because he legitimately kicks Johan's ass. He's like, my weapons can't get through your armor? Well, yours can. Yeah, no, uh, Graham was definitely... It was between Graham and Saji. Yeah, that's why I said too. I can see why you would might maybe consider Setsuna too, but Setsuna is more of a high point than a yeah. MVP Sets, this Setsuna episode. Setsuna was number three for me behind Graham and Saji. Yeah, and I'm going with Graham as well. Uh, he's unreasonable. That kick is super good, and I love a good kick. I guess I had uh, Louise was number three. Setsuna was kind of number four. Just because of like the emotional stakes we get from Louise when Saji goes to her. 
Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say spoilers for next episode. Luis is definitely in the running for MVP for me next episode. So yeah, it's it, but it's it's really tough. All right, we only have seven episodes left, and we have seven Gundams we need to put on our list. So. Do we really? Oh, <laughs> uh, seven of the first half. So I think it's time to start putting some Gundams on here. I'm deliberately delaying the main Gundams. So I think we start with the Throne Nine. What is that? Johan's yeah. big cannon. Yeah, it's the one that lacks an arm right now. I hate all three of these. I like Nana's all right. I like. I, I, like, I guess I did say like I do. I do kind of like Nana's, but again, the linebacker look does it for me. I like the Throne Dre fairly well. I suppose. How do we think it compares to the Raider Gundam? Another druggy Gundam we don't love. That's the one that turns into a bird. Kikha. I don't like transforming <laughs> mobile suits, but this just—I uh, don't—I hate this thing. I like the Throw Nine slightly better, actually. I don't know. The big gun is pretty good. I do like the fact that it has like synergy powers. The other thing that bothers me about the its gun actually is the fact that it has its big gun, but then when it's actually using its gun, it uses it in the same arm. Yes, it does. Um, which. <laughs> that, that's because the Gundam itself is right-handed. I agree. I like it more than the Raider, mostly because I don't think the Raider is very good. Uh, the next druggy Gundam we got on here is the Chaos, and I don't like it as much as the Chaos, even no, though I, I don't love the Chaos. Uh, I don't like it as much as the Blast Impulse, which is another mobile suit with big gun. Zach hates the Blast Impulse. <laughs> I do hate the Blast Impulse. But I think I actually hate this thing more. <laughs> well, because it, it's a problem that I mentioned earlier when it first showed up. It looks like a light machine with an artillery gun. And it doesn't seem to fit. I like the design a little bit more than the Forbidden, which is another druggy Gundam, but I don't like the silhouette as much. And I think the Forbidden ends up being more unique. It has more cool things with the laser reflecting armor and the big scythe. It definitely has a better uh, silhouette. It also has a better color palette, which I think is pretty important. I think, well, I mean, this one is just like black. Yeah, which Which is is fine. It doesn't have any good highlighting, though. Like, it's just kind of black. Yeah, I was going to say it's got some of the like the Gundam gold on it, but it's not, it's not enough. It needs a little bit more going on. I don't like it as much as the Duel, which is the most boring, bog-standard Gundam you can have. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. This one feels kind of like it's trying to be edgy with its big gun. I don't like it as much as the Strike Naked Edition either. Yeah, regular, yeah that's true. I definitely no, prefer the regular-ass Strike. I do too. I don't know if I like it as much as the Strike Dagger either. I'm trying to actually picture the yeah. Remember dagger. the dagger? Yeah, no, I think I agree. It's the mass production. No, I know, I know okay. which one it is. It's I'm blue. trying to remember exactly how it differs from the strike in terms of appearance. Quite a bit, I would say. I think in my in my head, I keep seeing gyms. I mean, it is. Imagine the strike. No, imagine that was a gym instead of the <laughs> Gundam. I think I would prefer the the strike dagger, largely because it's still based on the strike, which is still better. So the Gundam Throne Eye will go at number seventy-two above the Raider and below the Strike Dagger. And that will do it for this week. It's a Gundam will return in Bonds. James Bonds. Sounds reasonable. Too bad I'm an unreasonable man!